Hello, and welcome to the Anobi Conversation. I'm Steve Waltz. And I'm Jeff Progolsky. And today, Hi. Jeff, we have one of our <laughs> rock star developers, Daniel Palmer. Yeah. Daniel, welcome. Hey, folks. Yeah, I, I heard uh, Daniel was trying to get in on our intro sequence. Come on, I man. I know. This I was is, so ready. <laughs> <laughs> this is your first time. Settle down. <laughs> uh, just, all kidding aside, we are happy to have you, Daniel. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. So Daniel's been here to Novia. Um, how long, Daniel? A little over uh, a year now? Almost three years at this point. What? Three in February. <laughs> so what about I don't, I don't think he's old enough to be here for three years. Do you, Steve? I know he looks <laughs> like he's 22 years old. I mean, my gosh. So well, I'll take that as a compliment. Take it as a compliment. So, so Daniel, if, if you don't mind, maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how the journey brought you to Anovia. Definitely. Um, so I have been working uh, as a computer programmer um, kind of personally and, and professionally for about almost 10 years now. Um, started with NAV development uh, out of college, um, graduated in 2016. And I've been working for Inovia almost ever since then. There was a little bit um, of, of time I spent kind of getting up to speed in NAV. And then, you know, I was just jumped right in. Um, I, uh, I'm working on the service and support team right now under Holly, um, taking care of, of break fixes. And my time's about, I would say, split pretty evenly between plan development and um, and unexpected issues that pop up, uh, things that kind of take you by surprise, fires to put out, things like that. Um, so I do a pretty wide variety of development. Um, I, I really enjoy having that variety. Uh, every day is, is different. Don't really know what to necessarily expect coming in, um, which you know makes things pretty exciting. Um, personally, I, I live in Colorado. Um, I love skiing, mountain biking, pretty much anything outside, uh, hiking. Um, gonna try and take my dog up on, on some more hikes this year and just being outside. I, I love anything to do with nature and uh, hope to continue living and, and adventuring in Colorado for quite some time. Yeah, because Denver's a very <clears throat> fast and growing city, uh, especially for the uh, younger generation, I would say. Um, and that's that, that's that's very cool. And I'm, so I know Daniel's um, uh, uncle, Joseph, uh, worked for us for a while and, and was a rocket scientist, right? And he said, yeah, Steve, Daniel's smarter than me. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> he, is, uh, has a, he has a PhD in what, astrophysics or something. Maybe it's just physics, but yeah, I don't know about that. He's he's a pretty bright guy, but if he said that, I will take that and hold my head high. I can't remember if he said that or if I made it up. Either way, take it as a compliment. So uh, I'm pretty sure he did. <laughs> Steve, we're in sales. Everyone is that. assuming that you're making it up. <laughs> That's right. I can neither confirm nor deny that statement. But uh, oh yeah, I spoke very highly of you. And you're on the rescue squad, is what yes, the name sir. of the daily support team is, right? Yep, yep. We are the rescue squad, and we uh, take pride in in helping people out of tough situations. When someone calls and and you know 
their world is crashing down. And, and from our perspective, it's, you know, you have to feel that kind of urgency and, and you have to empathize with the pain that they're going through. So, um, I think that's one thing that, that Holly has done a really good job of bringing to the team is, is that kind of, um, you know, we care about our customers obviously, and we always have, but, but there's a sense of their emergency is our emergency that I think she's done a really good job of bringing to the team. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's one thing I really enjoy is, is helping out the people we care about. So, you know, speaking with Holly, when she came over, I'm like, you know, the support team, the support area is like, is like the ER. Sometimes the ER is busy and sometimes not quite as busy, but it's, it's usually got a lot going on. And, um, you know, and we were kind of talking earlier about, uh, you know, how it can just, you think you got a planned day and then all of a sudden you get a, you get a ticket or a call in, like I can't ship or I can't do this. And so maybe, you can kind of like walk us through what a, a typical day uh, on what you do is, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. I'll let me. Well, let me walk you through kind of my a couple things that happened this week um, because you know I, there, there's not a typical day. So I I had I've had one day this week where I've gotten to put my head down um, and crank out some development things that I had you know scheduled for the week. Um, I can never I can never book the week full because there's always something that's going to come in that I have to anticipate. Um, but this week had a couple more of those issues than than we typically do. So we had uh, a customer with some some credit card issues where their transactions were showing up as uh, as voided, where in fact they were uh, approved. And obviously, when you get a transaction back that says voided, you know the the user's first instinct is going to be run it again. Um, so this this customer ended up with multiple transactions against the same uh, the same charge. So multiple transactions for the same purchase, essentially. Um, so you know that's about as big of an emergency as I can imagine. Um, and that's you know, one way of increasing revenue, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> or that through three times. <laughs> right. So, and, and at the time, so I, I started that day out. Um, I did about 15 minutes of development work on something I had planned. I got pulled into uh, into a separate issue, not the not the credit card problem, um, but a pretty high priority shipping issue. Um, and I, I was able to dig into that one for about an hour and I was working with some of our application consultants on that. Um, and then, uh, Holly shot me a message. Um, and at this point she had already figured out the cause of that, uh, credit card issue. Um, they had essentially already gotten to the bottom of that. So that was Holly, um, and, and, She's our uh, she's our team lead, but at the same time, she uh, she does quite a bit of work as an application consultant as well. Um, and so she had she had figured this issue out, contacted me because they had all these records that had uh, a status of void on them rather than approved, which is what they should be. Um, so my role in that issue was coming in and and doing the data cleanup because you know she figured the problem out 
this data was in their system, but it was wrong. So we had a specific set of of records. Um, so I, I wrote a quick processing only report and the report was going to loop through these records and update them. Um, and I went to run it and it turned out that customer didn't actually have uh, the report available. So I switched it over to a code unit, realized they didn't have the code unit available. Um, so I so I ended up having to take that code and and I snuck it into a page they had, and, and this was after hours, so it wouldn't have run a million times, but um, kind of had to be tricky about where I fit that code in to work around the customer's license constraints um, and, and avoid using another object that they didn't have the rights to. So it was, there was a little bit of workaround on that, but um, and sometimes you got to get get uh, creative to get around issues like that. Um, so the actual cleanup was not that complicated in terms of the code I had to write, but it was it was a matter of just jumping jumping through a couple of hoops to get those records corrected. Um, awesome. After that, after that happened, I got oh. to jump back and uh, complete the first fifteen minutes that I started in the day and and wrap up that development project. I've got a question, Daniel. Sure. So, how? What would you say? As like maybe as a percentage, how many <clears throat> tickets involve you as a developer? I mean, it, to me, it seems like most of the tickets that I'm familiar with from from my customer is you know like trouble posting or I mean, something that seems to lead more to an application consultant. Clearly, the yeah. example you just gave was um, was of that, but. I mean, how often are you involved in, in tickets as a developer? That's a good question. Um, the the goal is that uh, the application consultants can fix these issues um, through the through the role tailor client through the front end of the, the application. There are obviously situations like where what Holly ran into where she couldn't do that and then she had to pull me in. So I would I would say the majority. Um, do not require my my input, probably, or you know, any developer's input. I would say maybe sixty percent of tickets that come in, um, potentially even more than that, the application consultant can can fix the issue without you know pulling pulling in my assistance on that. Um, gotcha. The number of tickets that are purely development is very small. Um, typically it'll come in and then the application consultant pulls me in if they need. There are rare cases where I'll be working, uh, we have one one customer um, with a developer who I work with pretty consistently. Um, and I'll, I'll work directly one-on-one -on -one with him, but generally it's uh, safer and more predictable to work through an application consultant uh, and the customer rather than directly one-on-one -on -one with the developer and a customer. Gotcha. That's, so a question I have, Daniel, is, you know, I think most people know what a developer does that, that are listeners and some know what an application consultant does. And, you know, when I talk with, uh, with customers or people that are interested in Ovia, 
you know, they seem like in the past when they used to engage with their previous partner is that it would get sent just to a developer. And so maybe you can talk to us how you interact with your team when a ticket comes. Maybe they're thinking development and it's not or vice versa. They're thinking maybe it's just yeah. an application consultant. So how, how, how do you uh, interact and, and you guys determine all that? Sure. So let me let me start out with with an example of what happens in my experience when um, developers and customers work together long term without an application consultant to give them input is that you end up with a you know as a developer I I thoroughly understand the code behind the nav application how these pieces fit together and work, but in terms of actually using the application from the front end or understanding every function that is in nav, I just, I, I don't have that knowledge. And so the application consultant might know, you know, these are people who have worked professionally in very specific areas of nav for long term and know those areas inside and out. Um, and so a, a customer might make a request that already exists. There's there's base functionality for that. And I, as a developer, might not know that. And so if I'm working directly with the customer, my first instinct is I know how to make that happen. But if there's already, there's already code in the application to do that, I'm basically going to be recreating something that already exists, first of all. Um, second of all, Microsoft has you know, built this code base, maintained it, and does a pretty darn good job of making sure there aren't issues in it. Um, their code is generally very, very reliable. So if there's code to do that already, um, it's not in your best interest to have a developer recreate that. So companies where a developer and a, you know, we've had companies come to us who have been in situations with a partner where they've been working directly with a developer and the developer says, yeah, I can do that to every one of their requests and does it. Um, and they end up, we've had customers who, who almost have another program written within NAV and it's all custom and, and there's all these custom pieces that exist in base nav. Um, and it, it, it can really become a mess, um, to put it bluntly. So having an application consultant who can tell you when you should or when you should not, or when you do or do not need a modification, people who know nav inside and out from the user's perspective, um, they're they're invaluable in 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 maintaining your system long term because they can really fix things uh, or tell you how to do things that are already in nav. And um, when the developers come in and they don't get the whole story because you know they they've been talking directly with a customer who presumably understands the system thoroughly, but doesn't always, um, you know, there's, there's always aspects that none of us can understand every piece of it, you know? So having that, uh, that knowledge of the full application, uh, coming from an application consultant, I, I think is just invaluable for 
for keeping your code base um, tidy, really. So do you guys meet daily or how often do you guys uh, talk about all that stuff? Yeah, we meet we meet every day. So we have a meeting every morning. Um, we get together. We talk about um, successes we've had in the, the last couple of days, things that we've done well. Um, kind of pat ourselves on the back and Holly says, good job, <laughs> hopefully. And um, then we talk about opportunities. And that is really the bread and butter of that meeting is, is um, who needs help from who? What kind of roadblocks do we have? Um, and so in that meeting, we bounce issues off each other, ideas off each other. Um, so if an application consultant says, this is my situation, this is an area of NAV that I personally don't have the most experience in, there's other people on the team who have, you know, as a team, we have the full set of knowledge, but as individuals, we don't. So we got, you know, we, we work together to make sure that the tickets go to the right people. Um, you know, the, the people who are experts in that given area are working on the issue. We uh, will give each other ideas, um, input on whether something does or does not require development, or maybe if there's a way to do it without developing. Um, because really the, the, way, the way we try and think, at least on our team, is that development should be a last resort. Um, if you can do something through the application without modifying it, 9.9 .9 times out of 10, that's the right course of action. Um, and obviously, since 40-ish percent of the tickets do require my input, we do come into a lot of situations where we, we do have to modify the base application, but um, that usually happens after we've exhausted other options. Jeff, any questions that you have for? Yeah, our um, yeah, I do. Um, so, do you um, in your in your development um, support role? Do you uh, work much with Business Central, or is it um, or is it exclusively Nav that you work with? It's a good question. It's it's uh, mostly Nav that I'm working with. There are okay. I I do get. Um, a couple business central tickets a month. Typically, um, we have, so if we, if we have an issue with an extension, it will typically go to the developer who created the extension. And most of the developers who created the extensions are on the project teams, um, which means that a lot of the, a lot of the um, support for those modifications goes back to the original developers who did it rather than um, most of the call them standard or, or pre-BC issues that come in. Um, we handle them a little bit differently in, in terms of them going just straight to the support team. Right. Which do you prefer working with? Um, do you have a preference? Do you like the old development world of, of NAV or the new Business Central one better? That's a hard question because the new one is really exciting and it's it's shiny and it has, I mean, it's totally different. It's a totally different type of development. Um, you have to change your mindset. So 
I really like working in in uh, in Business Central um, for that reason. I mean, you're you're on the uh, the front end of development, you know, for for Nav. And um, that being said, I've you know I've been working in outside of BC a lot more than I've been working inside BC. Um, so I'm definitely more comfortable with with pre BC development and and things like that. Um, but in terms of my general excitement levels, when I get a ticket in, I think I would rather have a business central ticket. Gotcha. All right. That's interesting. Um, the, uh, I've only got one, um, one more question. So Steve, if you have any more, jump in. I'm waiting for you to ask your one question. Oh, gotcha. All right. Well, I thought um, this seems like a very important question to a developer, but how many stickers do you have on your surface? How many stickers do I have on my surface? Assuming you have a surface, not a laptop. I have a laptop. And Jeff, you know, they actually don't make you better at technology. They don't. <laughs> I start peeling I my off then. I don't have a single sticker on my laptop, but I do have a lap. I do have a sticker on my phone. So I, I think that counts, right? Okay, yeah, that that will count. I think that's the uh, that is the thing I notice most when I um, attend the Microsoft conferences um, is that you can generally identify who is a developer based on the number <laughs> of stickers on there. That's that's my experience as well. Maybe I should get with the program there. No, I don't know. I like it. You're kind of a rebel. I like that. <laughs> it, that makes sense now, Jeff, because I had a couple stickers on my old laptop before it died, and I don't have any now. So when I go to meetings, people don't don't ask me questions anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I have just a ton of stickers on mine, which isn't even to impersonate um, a developer. It's more because I've grown up a skateboarder and skateboarders just for some reason I have an affinity to stickers, so I have a binder full of them. So well, maybe so you have some a, people uh, sticker pack for me, Jeff. Oh, I definitely. Uh, next time we uh, see each other, I will make sure I've got some. <laughs> yeah, I, I have. I'm kind of have an adversity to the stickers because when I was back in the day when I was in school. You know, everybody got those nice stickers for good things. I got the stickers that said, you know, you have your mom or dad call me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, you know, my my experience with stickers growing up was, was um, getting in trouble with my parents because I'd stick the like whatever if they were like the stickers that came in those um, packs of gum or whatever they were. And I would stick them like on the back of my door and places where I thought and then my parents would have to scrape them off and give me lectures about why I shouldn't do that. So. <laughs> Might be bigger issues that we don't want to unpeel in this episode, though. So we'll, we can move on, Steve. Well, let's let's move on. I only have a couple of questions that are uh, really tough questions. Okay, not really tough questions. So I know Daniel. We talked a while back, and when you know, a lot of the younger developers that are going to school, you know, a lot of them want to either create the next big video game, and then they get the reality that they work you as like slave labor, right, in that world. Oh yeah. <laughs> They sure do, and and that um, you know they're it's. I remember when I was in, when I was in college, you know they teach you. You know I was more a business major, you know accounting and marketing and and they, you know they would teach you about it, but they didn't really talk about the professions, right? You kind of had to figure that on your own. And I was just right. kind of wondering, you know when you know since you're in your mid twenties. 
Um, you know, did you guys ever talk about, you know, what opportunities are outside? And like, did you know anything? I know your uncle worked, you know, with NAV. So besides him, I and mean, did, did anyone ever talk about these are, you know, these a lot of these large companies run ERP systems. There's a yeah, so we, developers. Right. We, and, and yes, we did. We did discuss them, um, not specifically NAV, but ERP systems in general. Um, but, you know, they really did do a good job of uh, educating us on um I mean, there there are a million things you can do with a computer science degree, and um, I think it it seemed to me like a lot of my peers came into it with the intention or the dream of of getting into the video game industry, and that's kind of what uh, Steve and I were discussing um, the last time around. And I worked with um, with a game developer who was. He was, uh, I was, I was interning for him at the time, actually. And he, he kind of warned us all away from the video game industry. Um, and I, I think he, uh, he may have shattered a couple dreams when he did that. But, um, yeah, it's, I mean, there, there's just, there's just so many things you can do with, with a, uh, with a programming skill set. And, um, you know, it was hard for them to really go into detail on on too many of the paths you could take, just because there were so many different options. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely uh, ERP systems were definitely discussed pretty um, fairly frequently. And uh, but but that was just in the context of you know this is one of the paths you can take, and and there were a million so. So I wouldn't say we went into a whole a whole lot of detail on it. No, because you know you're in a good spot because you know there's a shortage of over forty thousand developers in the United States alone. And then um, another question I have for you is that so we have some of our customers that listen, uh, a lot of people that use Nav, and you know, what, is there any advice or what would you say to them? You know, prior to either sending a support ticket in. Or engaging, um, let's say let's say maybe they're on another system, or they're looking at going, you know, from one system to Nav, or they're uh, on a very old version, and you know they're trying to think forward on, you know, should I fix this? It's like you know that old car, right, that you kind of had forever. It's kind of right. part of you. And, yeah. Uh, or or go to the, or go to the new model, I guess. Um, you know, would you, where would you point them to maybe do? some research on or you know how to sure. how to go about thinking about that um yeah so i have a, I have a couple pieces of, of advice and the first is um think about your upgrade before you think about your upgrade and what i mean by that is the more you modify your system the harder it is to upgrade and this i'm talking specifically about pre-business central um when you get into business central and extensions uh the extensions really facilitate those upgrades um but before that uh, the modifications to base nav, every modification you make has to be moved forward. Um, alternatively, you can re-implement and basically only bring forward the modifications you want. Um, but that's, again, you're going to have somebody going through and, and reviewing each of those modifications individually and deciding whether they should come forward. So that the more modification you do, the harder that upgrade is. And that kind of circles back to my my previous point of do development when you have to. Um, if you can get around it uh, or 
um, yeah, it, if there's if there's a way around development that is feasible, um, then I, I would encourage that route. Um, the other piece of advice I have is uh, Google your error messages. Um, a lot of issues that come in, um, they're not necessarily something that our customers could not figure out. And and um, I would I would always encourage everybody to if you have the time, um, just you know Google the error message, see see what pops up, see if anything if it's something simple, maybe you could take you know dig in and, and take care of it if you're comfortable with that. Uh, we're always happy to help, obviously, but um, you know we we understand that you may be able to fix the issue yourself. And if that if that's the case, I you know I I want to empower our customers to to be able to do those things. Um, so I you know I I like giving feedback to customers, um, you know, let them know what the resolution was, things like that, so that maybe the next time it comes around, they they have that knowledge to to take care of the problem. Because um, that's really, I mean, that's my goal, and I think that should be our goal as as partners is to to empower the customer, not make them dependent on us. And you know, you you said extensions, so I think a lot of our listeners, because there's some fear of going from NAV to BC, and and maybe you know when I talk with some of our customers, and Jeff does it more eloquently than I do, is you know when they talk about extensions, you have events and extensions, and I kind of I always like to reference like your smartphone. Like you have, let's say you have an iPhone, you have your iOS, right? That's like your ERP system. And then the apps that you have are kind of like your add-ons, right? Right. And yep. so you're, 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 you know, you're, you're creating a, a call to the, you know, to the extension and it creating an event and then it kind of works back and forth. So when you do upgrades in the future on Business Central, it's kind of like you're disconnecting those like apps, right? Like you, you're upgrading your iOS, Exactly. And you can kind of update it. I mean, is is that fair to say, or how would yeah. you? Yeah, no, that's that is a good way to describe it because the way we we do it, there are when we create an event or a, a an extension, there's a trigger that triggers our extension. Um, those triggers are um, at least the ones Microsoft puts out and labels as, and this is a little technical, but labels them as integration events uh, um, or business events, they, they, will, uh, they will guarantee that those will not change. And so we can write an extension and rely on, um, rely on that trigger not changing. And so that means when we take our extension and we put it into a newer version, we know that the Microsoft side that we are kind of integrating into, you know, they haven't pulled the foundation out from under our feet, which, um, and that's not to say that every extension is gonna work in a newer version. You know, there's there are other changes to the code, um, but it, uh, it, it makes it a lot more reliable moving forward, knowing that um, the Microsoft piece of that puzzle uh, is very, very unlikely to change. Well, thanks for that. And and so, Jeff, about, uh, how was, it was maybe over a month, maybe a month and a half ago, um, uh, Daniel and I had the opportunity to attend the Denver user group meeting. And nice. so, you know, 
So people think we just lock up developers in their room, you know, like no windows and just kind of like that little trap door at the bottom, you know, like we just put a <laughs> bottle of water and you close it, right? <laughs> just keep just keep working. So, but hey, we actually let them out every once in a while, right, Dan? I know the user group was the first daylight I saw in a month. <laughs> and, you know, they and Andrew runs that chapter. They do a lot of technical things. And, you know, they, I was telling Jeff, that's where I learned that they changed the name of Microsoft Flow to Power Automate. And, you know, you kind of got to see, you know, the power platform. But I think they have an event coming up and uh, and, and speaking with Andrea that uh, you might be presenting in, in, in February. Yes, I am. Um, so, do, you, do you have a, do you know what you're going to be talking about? Because you know, they want a technical. So that X me out, Jeff. Yeah. I don't have any specifics put together yet, so I, I won't be able to talk about it today. But, uh, yeah, I, I will be speaking um, at that in February. Um, but the details uh, of yet are um, undetermined. But it'll be more on the development side, obviously. Correct? Yes, it will. Yeah, it will. It will definitely be development focused. Um, but as yeah, as far as my specific topic, I, I have yet to uh, to determine that for sure. Okay, and, and now that Jeff has moved from an account manager to a pre-sales engineer, right, Jeff? I think there's a better name for you for that. You know, um, chief. Um, Hmm. Uh, we'll have to think about that one, or maybe our we listeners can, <laughs> can can add to that. So he's out of the account management team. I mean, he's on the account management team, but he's no longer account manager. And uh, and so I guess the question we'd like to ask is, who's your favorite account manager? Who's my favorite account manager? <laughs> and Jeff's out of the running. <laughs> he's out. Or or if you want to talk about your least favorite one, we won't talk about. Oh, him. geez, yeah, uh, I'm Jeff, not going to broach that subject. Yeah, Jeff, uh, uh, the last uh, conversation and that. that that came across pretty quick, Jeff. You know, Steve. Steve, I don't. Uh, I don't play favorites with the children. I'll be honest. Good answer. Good answer. So, uh, but you know, and when we putting kidding aside, you know, and being on the account management team, what's what's really cool about the culture, like at Anovia, is that um, you know, be able to engage with other members of the different teams, and you know, and and Daniel's part of the rescue squad, and. And, you know, I was in healthcare for a long time, and, and the ER is just different than every other part of the hospital because you get things coming in. You're like, what? You know, <laughs> how'd that happen? Right. Yeah. And then you got to fix it. And then then guess what, Daniel? All right, you're done with that one. Now you got to clear your mindset, right, And for the next one. And it's like uh, it just keeps coming and coming. Oh, yeah. Like, and I, I love that kind of environment. I, I um Throughout throughout college, I worked in restaurants, restaurant kitchens, um, and I mean, you're uh, it's it's definitely from a development perspective more stressful, or I, I guess more unpredictable than than a lot of development roles. You know, being a, a support developer, um, but it's it's hard to match the uh, the actual you know stress levels that you get from you know working in a hundred and hundred plus degree kitchen having a chef screaming at you um it's it's a much different type of of stress than i i had been used to mm -hmm. um so i would say definitely more stressful than some development positions but um i'm i'm pretty uh well suited to it and i, I definitely thrive in that environment so um oh. That's good to hear. We call it controlled it. chaos. Exactly. <laughs> That's the goal, right? It, you know, because you might have developers listening that are working for a company. Because, you know, I remember being in medical sales I, when I would go to hospitals. They're like, oh, Steve, I want to, you know, 
tell me about your job. Like I'm interested. You know, they see the fun, the front end part of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> they, they don't see the you know negotiating with the CEO of a hospital or a large system and or everything that has to go behind you know behind the scenes. And it just takes you know it takes a different. I don't know about skill set, but I think more of a personality because if when when stuff's coming at you fast, like you said, you you enjoy it, you thrive on it. It's a challenge, but some people are like, I like that structure a little right. Bit more, right? Right, and yeah, and it's it's really a uh, you know you have to force control on it. It can't you know you can't let yourself get flustered or over, overwhelmed because as soon as you as soon as you go down that road, um, you know things can go south quick. So. Yeah, it's it's a. I, I would agree that it's a mentality. So, but hey, Jeff, the last podcast we had, you were kind of worried about your Packers not making the playoffs, and they got a first round bye, and this is the Friday before they're playing what Seattle, and uh, Russell Wilson's coming home to Wisconsin, right? You okay? Um, I'm still, uh, yeah, yeah. So, considering that we were, you know, when you think back to the. Um, Seattle San Francisco game where Seattle ended the game like four inches short of a touchdown that would have put the Packers as the number one seed. Um, we are very fortunate to be a number two seed. I still don't think we, we survived the weekend, but I want to thank uh, the Minnesota Vikings because I think we have a better shot at Seattle than we did at New Orleans. So um, not going to call myself optimistic. Um, I'm just, uh, but I'm I'm happy that we got a number two seed, even if we go zero and one in the playoffs. At least we're not Bears fans. You know, <laughs> we, yeah, we like, uh, you know, being a Cup fan, we used to say, you know, why did I do that to my kids? And hey, we we you know finally won, right? And so we we got that monkey off our bat. But you know, being a Bears fan, you know, but at least we won one, right? You know, and and I had some Minnesota uh, fans poking at me. Uh, this week about the Bears. I just pointed at my uh, oh. right hand. My, my second finger said, you know what that is? I go, that's how many rings that the, the Minnesota Vikings after the Super Bowl. So <laughs> obviously I had no <laughs> ring on my finger, but sorry for all the Viking fans out there. We're just having a little fun, right? And, uh, and I know uh, uh, being out there in Denver, I think Daniel, you said you're not a, you're not a huge sports fan. You're, um, but yeah, a little bit here and there, but uh, yeah, I grew up in Massachusetts originally, so I have a little bit of Boston stain in me, and um, yeah, I like I like the Denver fan or Denver teams, um, but mostly I, uh, I enjoy kind of going out and doing my own thing. Well, great, Daniel. We thank you for joining us today. Do you have a, a, a Twitter handle or anything that you want to let people know uh, besides I don't your have a Twitter handle? Maybe I should get a Twitter. I don't know. It... I always the more social media I have, the the more time I put into it. So I'm trying to cut it out entirely. Yeah. I was just, when you said that, I'm like, well, you're in your twenties. You don't have a Twitter handle. Good for you. Right. <laughs> so, it's, a, it's a constant fight against all my peers who are trying to get me to create these things, Instagrams. And well, once again, thank you for coming on. Uh, we appreciate your time and for all our listeners out there. Um, this is our second podcast of the year. We're, uh, we're, we're looking forward to, you know, bringing more content and meeting more of our, our, our team members. They're just, it's just, we love showing off our, our rock stars that we have here at Anovia. So you can, you can find us on our website at Um uh, 
We're on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. And um, if you want to follow me at Twitter, I'm at Walt Steve uh, on, on Twitter. And Jeff, are, are, have you got a Twitter account yet or what's going on with that? I, I take that means no. <laughs> so we're going to we're going to say goodbye to everybody. And Jeff, you got the microphone to drop. Oh, um, how about if I just do it? Uh, a pretend Microsoft drop. Just take it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> thanks, everyone. Thanks, Daniel. See you, folks. See, See you later. next time. <laughs> <laughs>